TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. What are you thinking? What are you thinking about? The twins, of course. It's Five Twins Thoughts Five. with Derek Wetmore. It is Five Thoughts on ScoreNorth.com, the column that was so good it couldn't be contained to the written word. I'm Rami Makloff, Manny Hill, and the uh, the brain, the brains behind this whole operation. That is Five Thoughts, the man who came up with the whole idea of coming up yeah. with five thoughts right. about the Minnesota Twins. The first person ever to write <laughs> a baseball, baseball column and put numbers on it. Derek Wetmore. You can read the Jeez. Five Thoughts column at scorenorth.com along with all of Derek's uh, written word about the uh, Minnesota Twins. And today's Five Thoughts are the five things that have broken the Twins' way, Derek Wetmore, as yeah. we sit here on May 3rd and the Twins have the best record in the American League. First place in the AL Central, and they're heading into this series with the Yankees. Now, I know there's going to be some Twins fan fatalism uh-huh. heading into this weekend. Like, of course, this is the weekend you get swept. Right. Just I'm when you're there, feeling man. good about yourself, here right. come the Yankees. Yeah, but, like, that doesn't exist in other fan bases. And I think it's time <laughs> we stamp it out. Like, Rami, you covered the Brewers for 13 years. Yeah. If they were projected to be, you know, middle of the road, whatever, 80, mid-80s win team, and then started super hot the first month— Brewers fans are coming out in droves, and this isn't an attendance bashing thing by any means. This is a Brewers fans wouldn't expect the other shoe to drop. Actually, they did get into the habit of expecting the other shoe to drop because I think it was three straight seasons the Brewers were in first place after July 4th and didn't make the playoffs. Interesting. Okay, so they were classically conditioned like a Pavlovian dog. Right. But still going because the Brewers put put a roof on it. Cubs Cubs fans are a little... I'm just breezing right past that, Manny. He's not catching me today. (laughs) Cubs fans don't really have that sense of fatalism because they won a World Series recently. So you can forgive them for that. Um, But I just... Yeah, I've talked to a couple of people who are like, well, they're going to lose two or three, probably get swept out of New York. It's like, no, this... You don't know that. The Yankees have an entire team on the injured list. The Twins are hot right now. Things are going good. I'll have to look at the pitching matchups here while we get, when we get off the mics. But like, this isn't a, this isn't a steamroll series. So, anyways, I wanted to get that preamble out before we talked about the five things that have broken the Twins' way. Yeah, that seems like something you needed to get off your chest. It's been bothering it really me, man. It really seemed like that. I that see was that on Twitter, on man. You've seen it on Twitter for years now. It's okay to think that it's a good baseball team that you have here in Minnesota. That it's happening. It's okay it, to think that it's happening. It's okay to think that there's a possibility that some things might be happening. Exactly. I think it's possible. Right. So the five things that are breaking the Twins' way, let's start with number one because he was number one all off season. Byron Buxton. Thought number one, Byron Buxton performing well in the month of April doesn't necessarily mean that he's a superstar, but it's a great sign, and I think it sets up the Twins well to – carry this first place ride uh, well into the summer and be in it in the trade deadline, be looking to add. If Buxton was off to a cold start, but the Twins were in first place, I feel a little bit different about this. As it is, he's sort of the exclamation point for me on why things were so great in April. Yeah, and he's, uh, I mean, he's not, like you said, he's not an all-star at this point. He's batting, what, 250? But this is all anybody ever wanted from Byron Buxton is get on with, like, Maybe like a 280 to 300 on base percentage, steal a whole bunch of bases, show a little bit of power, and play the best center field in baseball. That's anybody ever asked. That's all anyone ever asked for from Byron Buxton, and you're getting it now. I'll be honest with both of you. I wasn't even. (laughs) Oh, okay. I wasn't really. I thought Buxton would be better 
but it was mainly because he was just so bad last year. Yeah. And then, of course, he had the injuries and everything that kept him out for a majority of the season. But I did not expect him to show this much growth in this season. I thought he'd be better just by default. Sure. But he's he's shown some strides. He's taking professional at-bats now. He's not falling for that breaking ball on the outer half of the plate as much as he has in the past. And, you know, and you know what? He's, for all the grief we gave him early in the season when he crashed into the wall in Kansas City, I mean, he's he's been reliable. He's stayed on the field. And that was a big part of this thing, too. So I'm I'm impressed. I'm happy with what I've seen so far. It's been great. Yeah. And like I said, that's like the Buxton in a vacuum. It's almost like if you're if you're a Twins fan and you were rooting for the best possible outcome for the next ten years, and I gave you the choice, hey, either Buxton clicks and you're in last place, or Buxton scuffles and you're in first place. You're nineteen and ten. You're nine games above five hundred. I think you'd maybe choose Buxton. <laughs> like you, you'd be tempted at least to take that outcome because you, then you'd feel like you know you have a superstar to build around. Uh, as it is, the Twins kind of have their cake and are eating it too. Right. Like, like I said, I don't think he's arrived. He's not like a perfect finished product yet at 25 years old. But what you've seen in the first month of the season is the exclamation point that like, yeah, you've got this great record. You're nine games above 500. Oh, and the guy that you had questions about. And you guys, now. you guys would know better than I would, but it seems to me that this was kind of make or break time for Byron Buxton. Yeah. Felt that way, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... I'm the last guy to say that because I'm always wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. But if he had a bad three months of baseball here, making no contact, I mean, striking out, no power, all he offered was center field defense and the occasional stolen base, you'd you'd start to question the long-term future there. I, I, I think it's great for Buxton that now, A, the performance is there. Most importantly, he's healthy. He's mm-hmm. playing every day. Mm-hmm. I think if you would have asked him – Honestly, his goals coming into the season, I'm pretty sure that was at the very top of his list. Stay healthy all year. All right. Thought number two, the five things that have broken the Twins' way, Derek Wetmore. I don't want to skip. I don't want to miss any time, basically, before I get to this, that like the Cleveland Indians haven't taken off. And I'm going to combine a couple things for thought number two. Mm -hmm. Mike Clevenger is going to miss at least eight weeks. Now, Corey Kluber, I haven't seen the timetable estimate the Indians are maybe playing that cautiously entirely possible that Kluber misses the rest of the season too so mm-hmm. even if it's only six weeks which gosh that'd be a quick return to form that's a big blow to lose one of the best pitchers in baseball and I, I kind of view it like they lost two borderline aces the way Clevenger pitched last year and that was the one thing Rami when you and I argued all winter about mm-hmm. are the twins going to win the central I said hang on I think the Twins have a good team, but the Indians have five starters who any team in baseball would want to trade, and they lost 40% of that. That's It's a really big blow, and I think it's allowed the Twins to dream about not only being a wild-card team and winning 86 games and maybe adding at the trade deadline. You can win this division now, and it's because you're off to a great start and the Indians uh, things really couldn't have gone much worse for them in April. Yeah, I don't, I don't root for injuries, but the bottom line is that injuries for your your direct competitor they they work in your favor if you're the Minnesota Twins or anybody else. And when I saw Kluber go down with Clevenger already down, Manny, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but my first thought was the AL Central is the Twins for the taking at this point. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, like Derek said, that the that the Indians had over the Twins 
with starting pitching, and now they're down two of their five guys, and that's 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 a big blow for a team like that. The only hurdle to winning this division, in theory, if you're the Twins, was the Cleveland Indians, right? Yeah. And they are yeah. reeling because two of their best players they're on their in their pitching staff are out for a significant amount of time and that's going to really cripple them a team that I think going into this season we all thought would be pretty good maybe except Rami Rami was pretty sour on them from the start but mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> no go ahead do a it, touchdown dance that's fine <laughs> <laughs> not yet I'm like I'm in the red zone I'm not ready to spike the ball yet <laughs> but but I think a, a team that I think a lot of people thought would be pretty good, but I think we all kind of figured their margin for error would be pretty slim just because of where they were at and the lineup wasn't very deep, even though they've got two, you know, in Lindor and Ramirez, two terrific players in their lineup. But really outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of depth, like what the Twins have, one through nine in their lineup. So I think the Indians, their margin for error going into this season, even as the initial favorites to win the division, their margin for error was really, really low. And now they've... Suffered two huge losses in their in their in their rotation that's really hurt them. And the other part of this, too, guys, the Twins give them a lot of credit. They've had they've had some cupcakes at the start of the season, but they've taken care of business against those cupcakes, and yes. that has been a big reason why they're sitting at uh, sitting at the top of the AL Central right now. You've gotten they've played the Baltimore Orioles in two different series, and they've completely taken care of business against that. One of the worst teams in baseball. They've done exactly what they should do, and that's a that's a big part of it. They deserve a lot of credit. And that, for that Indians lineup. I mean, we all knew it wasn't that deep, but it's something that a lot of people told me when I talked about the fact that I didn't see in the Indians what a lot of other what a lot of other people did is, well, they might have the two best position players in this division. In addition to that rotation, in Ramirez and Lindor, they might have the best two position players in this division, and Lindor. Took him a while to even get into the lineup, and I don't think he's really gotten going yet. But Jose Ramirez, and I know this because he's on my uh, Score North Home Run Derby team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two home runs on yeah. the season. I mean, even the two guys who they had in that lineup, who people thought maybe could carry them and, and lift the, the, other, the other guys in that lineup around them, they have not even performed. I'm sure. This division is the twins for the taking. It's tough because when you can pitch around two guys, like I haven't seen a ton of Indians games this year, but if the you know four five six is soft in your order that's really that's tough for the guys hitting two three uh it's kind of like imagine being so i'll go to a twins example it was thursday day game brad peacock's pitching for the astros and imagine being him and you're sitting in your pre-game pre-series meeting with the catcher and a couple coaches and there's probably some nerds in the room talking about game planning and thinking, oh man, this lineup is deep. Like you gotta, you gotta carve through this thing one through four. Then five, six, seven are tricky. Oh, okay, we can kind of let off the gas when Jason Castro's at the plate. But even Byron Buxton's put it together a little bit. And then sure enough, Jason Castro goes and tags you. He goes, I think he had two hits and four RBIs against the Astros the other day. This is not to take anything away from Castro, but when you're one spot in the lineup where you could kind of rest easy and try to groove some fastballs and just get ahead early, throw strikes, and and then we'll see with the other guys. When that spot's beating you, it's a good lineup. It, that's a very deep Twins lineup that you're dealing with right now. And I think there's really um, like anxiety for, in the opposing room as you're game planning for the series. How, how do you carve through that lineup four times in a game 
and ask your starter to do it three times? Like, n- no, there's just too many bats in there to get away with that. And the Twins have, to Manny's point, really done well when, when the pitcher's not capable of getting through that, just punishing them and making them pay. There's There doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of let off the gas for this lineup, and that's a, an encouraging sign. Thought number three for why, what has broken the Twins' way, Derek Wetmore. Well, I mentioned uh, uh, Jason Castro, so I'll give some love here, too, to Mitch Garver. Mm. I feel like nobody's talking about him, really, right? Like, maybe outside of this room. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, is he having a good season. He's only played 15 games, but his numbers are off the charts. Looking it up for a column I'm working on, maybe for later, that among American League catchers, he's the best hitter right now. And we've talked about the strides he's made behind the plate. I think those are real. I think that he is a a better defensive catcher than what we saw at the start of his tenure last year with the Twins. I mean, this thing is trending towards him being the starting catcher and Jason Castro being the sort of veteran defensive backup. Rocco was asked about that actually during this homestand and... Um, Justin Morneau was in the room and asked the question, like, is this going to go to a spot at some point where you want one guy catching two out of every three games? And Rocco basically said, no, I don't think so. I mean, maybe. Like, I reserve the right to change my mind, but I'm paraphrasing Rocco's answer was, this will probably be more like a playing time split for the foreseeable future. I, I respect that answer, and I think he's probably right. He's the one writing out the lineup card. But I also see tons and tons of value in what Mitch Garver is giving the Twins right now. And I think... Frankly, he deserves a little bit more recognition than what he's gotten the first five weeks of the season. He's been just absolutely awesome with the bat. This poses a problem, though. Yes, it does. For you, my yes. friend. Yes, it does. <laughs> Mitch Garver. In, Where does La Tortuga fit into all this? I was going to say, Mitch Garver doesn't have a sandwich named after him. No, he doesn't. So, so No, he, he doesn't. He might be okay there. It's tricky because Williams Astadio is a good baseball player. And he adds value to the Twins, and he can play a number of different positions. I think he's the third best catcher that they have. And I think Mitch Garver, you're sad every time you can't write his name in the lineup card right now. At least I would be. I'll take eight runs a game and take my chances with pitch framing, okay? But, you know, that's the trade-off that you're kind of making. And then Astadio, I don't know. I don't see a roster crunch, that, uh, roster crunch, Rami. That's imminent, uh-huh. so you don't have to like lose sleep this right. weekend or okay. like. I know you're. I know you're heading east. I, you don't have to like spend. <laughs> you don't have to spend all weekend like scrolling through your Twitter. His Astadio still here. He's fine. This is fine, Rami. Uh, he's acquitted himself well, right. but you can't. Man, we talk ten times as much about Williams Astadio as we do about Mitch Garver. My opinion: that should be reversed. Mitch right. Garver has been no, awesome I, this year I, for the Twins. I know exactly. I I agree with you on some level. I mean, Williams Estadio deserves all the chatter he's getting, but okay, maybe like a fifty fifty. Garver split deser- then. Garver deserves some too. Okay. And, and <laughs> but you know what's funny is that when I when I read some of the some of the national writers who are catching on to what the Twins are doing here, he's one of the guys that they point to. I think for whatever reason, okay, it's here in Minnesota, here here in the Twin Cities, Manny, that people for some reason Mitch Garver is flying under the radar. I think it might be because, I mean, there are there are sexier stories to talk about, like La Tortuga. No, for I, sure. I, you know what I mean? What, Definitely. What yeah. Kepler is doing, what Rosario is doing. I mean, there, there Nelson are, Cruz just Nelson being Cruz. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's just it's not the sexiest story in the world, but I think Derek is one hundred percent right. It has been so huge that Garver has made the strides behind the plate. Mm-hmm. More so than what he's done 
at the plate because we've always known, right, Derek, that he could hit. The other night on the ESPN telecast, they were talking about how great he was framing pitches. Yeah. And and how, how good of you he's giving umpires to call the low strike. And I, and I think when you look at this roster, when you look at good teams, and this is why I think we, we all believe this team to be legitimately good, when you're a good team, you you have more options, more good options than other teams do. And Garver turning himself into a really solid defensive catcher has given the Twins, has given Rocco Baldelli more options to work with behind the plate to where he doesn't feel like he has to have Jason Castro catching five times a week right? because of how good Castro is defensively. Because yeah. the, the reality is as good as Castro is defensively, Let's be honest, he's never been a good hitter, ever. And so when you have him in that lineup five times a week while you're getting good production behind the plate, it's taking away from your lineup. And the fact that you have Garver, who has turned himself into at least a reliable catcher behind the plate, and the fact that he can match with the bat as well, and you have that option where you can play him two or three times a week now— and give Castro a break too, so where you're not wearing Castro down over the course of a season. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, when you're when you're a good team and you have multiple options at multiple places, it only helps you. Right. I think I'm trying to remember who I heard this from. I think it was Rocco actually. And if it wasn't, then I'm going to put these words in his mouth. I'm 99.8 percent sure this was Rocco. But somebody was telling me like, gone are the days that the catchers in the big leagues would squat behind the plate and catch 130 games. Like you just you aren't gonna see that. No. It's to a point now where and not every team is doing this, but it's to a point where I think if you have the talent on the roster, you'd far, far, far prefer to split that workload at least two ways. It's like running backs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The bell cow catcher is gone. <laughs> Or should be, is is at least trending out of the game. The Johnny Bench, you know, yeah. Carlton Fisk guys that right. catch for 20 years cool. and catch 150 times a like, year. I'm thinking Jamal Charles is not going to carry the rock 430 times this year. <laughs> He's going to ca- carry it 180. This guy's going to carry it 180, and they'll have a changeup back that whatever. It's, maybe he's in there for pass blocking or w- Whatever. Clearly, I'm not a football guy. But catching (laughs) is a direct. I think there is going to be direct evidence that we're going to be able to point to and say this person is just more productive when he's not physically worn down in June. What these guys are asked to do on a nightly basis is insane. And to split that workload up... um, I was I was actually kicking this around for a story, so I was asking some people with the twins about this very idea, the whole, you know, rest versus rust. Do you if you play three times a week, are you more productive in those games or is it tougher to and the point of the story is gonna be that like you can't just assign um you can't just say this guy's going to be a better hitter because he's playing well. If he's a bad hitter, he's probably not going to like boost up, you know? Like this is these are my words. If you're a 200 hitter and you are fresh as a daisy, sorry, you're, you're not st- Mike Trout. You're probably still a 200 hitter. Yeah, me you know 210. Maybe. If, if, yeah, the, if the ball bounces day. your right. way, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like it, you can't just invent good players. So the thing that's interesting about the Twins is they have three guys that they view to be quality options behind the plate. Mitch Garver, Jason Castro, Williams Astadio, 
And then it's less of a conversation of like, well, do we have a big drop off if we go to our backup? Heck, they're going to their backups backup and they've been okay with that this year. So anyways, I'm kind of just reinforcing the point that Manny was making that you get good hitters, you get them good rest. They're going to perform better. They're just going to feel better. It's like you're not going to ask a radio host unless you're Mike Francesa to do 35 hours of radio <laughs> right in like a three-day weekend. But And Mike Francesa can only do it because he's sleeping for yeah, like a third of the hours the time. Yeah. Right. Rest and recovery, <laughs> exactly. baby. It's the exactly. era of rest and recovery. Right. It's just you know, the bell cow running back is gone in the NFL, and I think you guys are going to see that too, that either this year or next year – the catcher totals for numbers of games caught, it's going to go way, way down. I, I can believe that. Thought number four for what has broken the Twins' way, Derek Wetmore. Manny, I was going to ask you to pull the sound. Uh, we can't do it on the fly, but for future episodes, mm. Rami said something on that last one, something to the effect Put of— Put a roof on it? Yeah, I think— <laughs> Breezing right past that. I said something like, um, I have a photo of the skyline for you, and I'll show you after this show. You know, I have a photo of the skyline in Seattle. Oh, yeah? From behind home plate, where they have a roof. I want to see it. It opens when there's good weather, and it closes when there's bad weather. I want to see it. Uh, He said something about, it's not a sexy story, but Derek is 100% right. I want that to be my Twitter bio. (laughs) That's got to rewrite my LinkedIn page. It's it's not a sexy story, but Derek is 100%. That'll be your Twitter bio now. I need that, man. So we're going to chop that up. Maybe we'll use that as a drop later on. But uh, speaking of not a sexy story, I don't know why this isn't. But in what world would an American League shortstop sign a big contract extension, come out of the gates as one of the best hitters in baseball, and you never hear a peep mm-hmm. about him? Jorge Polanco is one of the best hitters in the in the big leagues right yeah. now. And we talk about him sometimes, but honestly, and I'm guilty of this, honestly, I feel like I've talked more about Jorge Polanco's spotty throwing arm at shortstop in the first month of the season, then I have talked about his wonderful offensive contributions to the Twins. He's their best hitter. Mm -hmm. And he's a shortstop. And he's here for the long haul. He's locked and loaded in a long-term deal in Minnesota. And, uh, yeah, speaking of we should give a little bit more love to the guy, I think we should give a little more love to Mitch Garver. Thought number four, I think Jorge Polanco is criminally underrated right now for his contributions in the first month. Is he still the... uh... The leader in slugging percentage for shortstops? I don't, I'm putting you on the spot with that question, but I saw that number about a week ago that he was Let me look slugging better than any shortstop in Major League Baseball. Which well, is, I would guess he probably is because he's slugging 636 right now. It might shock you guys to learn that I already had the Fangraphs leaderboard pages pulled up on my laptop, but that's probably another story for another time. He is leading shortstops by a wide margin. 636 <laughs> slugging, like Manny said. Tim Anderson is second. He's having a great year. He's slugging 565. There's an 80-point wow. difference in American League shortstops between number one Jorge Polanco, and everybody else. Maybe a more interesting leaderboard if you are uh, stats-obsessed. And I don't know how many people are, but if you're like me and your homepage is just the American League WOBA leaderboards. (laughs) (laughs) So so I pull open my laptop and I'm like, oh, I got to get to Gmail. It's like, well, quick, I got to get off fan graphs first. Uh, Jorge Polanco is currently... Fourth, 
in the big leagues. I'm going to just read you. Uh, weighted on base average, for those that don't know, is like, think of it kind of like OPS, but it gives more credit to on-base percentage because that's a more valuable offensive sure. stat. It, it helps your team create more runs. They've proven it. Mm-hmm. WOBA is a stat that front offices use. It's the one that I look at if I'm looking for a catch-all metric. Hunter Dozier of the Royals leads the American League right now. Mike Trout is second with a 447 WOBA. Joey Gallo, 440. Jorge Polanco, 430. Um, it's not likely to continue. I mean, I don't think that he's going to just be Alex Rodriguez for the rest of his career. <laughs> but I think the the fact that he's hit 330 with Joe Mauer's on base percentage and a huge slugging percentage, too, to lead all American League shortstops, it's kind of crazy, but it's kind of flown under the radar. <laughs> He's not leading Sports Center every night. He's not getting interviewed on MLB Network. Right. We haven't had him on the Score North Twin Show yet, although we should correct that next homestand. He has been one of the best hitters in all of baseball, and uh, he probably deserves a little bit more love. Do you think he's going to get some recognition come All-Star time, or is he flying too low under the radar for that? He'll get talked about. Um, AL shortstop's a tough one to crack. Of course. I mean, so much of the All-Star game is reputation. But it's an interesting question because they are changing up the way they're doing the All-Star voting this year. It's like, do all your All-Star voting, and then one day they just say, okay, here are the three finalists at every position. Now go vote for 24 hours, fans. And it's going to be a social media popularity contest for sure. So that might hurt Polanco. But I'd be shocked if he's not one of the three finalists, you guys. I mean, that's even with the fact that other guys have a built-in reputation. Carlos Correa is going to be there, no matter what his numbers were. But Jorge Polanco has put up the offensive stats to be worthy of being in that group as well. I agree. I think when you look at him, you kind of throw him into the same conversation that you throw Mitch Garver in. Now, I don't know if Mitch Garver is going to be in the conversation as being an all-star, as a catcher, or anything like that. But you look at the both of these guys, we've always known that they could hit. So that they've always had that going for them, and obviously both of them are hitting really well right now. But the fact that they've been, both of them have been very serviceable defensively yeah. is huge. Yeah, It's massive. And with Polanco, with the position that he plays, a premier position in baseball, yeah, he's in that conversation for being an all-star, and that is that is just huge for this team right now. It's massive. I'm kind of curious what that list is going to look. This is probably another show for another day, but like Tim Anderson's played his way into that conversation. Sure. He's going to get talked about. Um, I mentioned Carlos Correa. You know he's going to be a finalist. Is it Xander Bogarts in Boston? I mean, he's a popular guy. Alberto Mondesi is at Mondesi Jr. in uh, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Fangrass lists him as Mondesi. But... I'm still confused by that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm is he Raul your Mondesi Jr. or is he not Raul Mondesi Jr.? I'm very confused. <laughs> well, that's very confused. You're not alone on <laughs> that one. All right. Simmons is a great shortstop. He's one of my favorite players to watch in all of big le- uh, all of baseball. Um, but I don't know. Like AL shortstop's just going to be a tough nut to crack if you're Polanco. But speaking of things that have broken well for the Twins, oh my gosh, has that one broken well? They said, "Here's our bet on you, kind sir." We believe in you. Here's a long-term contract. We'll set you and your family up for life. Would you like to sign this? And he said, yes, I would, and I'm going to go be one of the best hitters in baseball for the month of April. Can yeah, right you imagine now, what the he, price tag would be next year? I was going to say, right now he looks like a bargain. <laughs> oh, they bought it just the right time. Incredible value. Like right. I said, he's not Alex Rodriguez, probably. Who knows? Maybe he is. I could be wrong. But if he's 
even some just fraction of this. He does have something else in common with Alex Rodriguez. That is correct. Okay. Just, that is true. <laughs> just, check, just checking. That is true. Just making sure I had the right guy. All right, A future on TV? Yes. Your fifth and final thought of what has broken the Twins' way, Derek Wetmore. I have to combine for this one. I okay. need a ruling. Manny, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay, I'm combining them because Martin Perez and Jake Odorizzi's previous start for each of them, mm-hmm. sensational. Like, could not have been better from Odorizzi's perspective, going through, carving up the Houston Astros lineup the way he did, outdueling Justin Verlander on one nothing to win. Uh, that's a guy we made fun of. Not we, I didn't, but the collective whole was making fun of Jake Odorizzi midway toward the end of last season. I was as, making fun of him. As just I'll, a guy. I'll admit to it. All right. Well, getting, well for me, it was just he couldn't, the carpet. He, he couldn't give them more than four innings, yeah. and that was just driving me crazy. That's right. Absolutely right. And for him to outduel JV in that game was incredibly impressive, especially when he probably had to carve through the better lineup, if we're mm-hmm. being honest about it. Like, I love the Twins lineup. Houston's just better, talent-wise, in terms of ceiling. Uh, and then Martin Perez to go eight shutout. Wow. I don't think anyone saw this coming. In fact, this that was my first show recorded in this here podcast studio, boys. Got a brand-new podcast studio at Hubbard. And uh, it's pretty sweet. It's so It's awesome. pretty, pretty sweet. And so um, the TCL studios, I should say. I see it up on the TV there. They, uh, <laughs> they, they I'll be your pitch, man. <laughs> We recorded it. Uh, Phil Mackey and I recorded the Martin Perez episode of what was then Touch 'em All in this here studio. And I remember specifically just like laughing. Like, what are you? Do- Why'd you go get a guy with a six ERA and think you're you're gonna fix him? Like, what's the thought process? What am I missing? Mm-hmm. So I'm lumping these two guys together and saying that like the Twins pitching plan, what they've put into place under Derek Falvey. Wes Johnson, and a number of people that are working on what I called the Martin Perez Project, Project Martin Perez or whatever, man, it's really impressive that they're getting such good gains out of those two starting pitchers. Two guys who, let's be honest, over the winter, I think a lot of Twins fans would have said yawn, would have said, eh, okay, they're guys at the back of a rotation. The way that it's broken for the Twins in the first month of the season's just been awesome. I would take it one step further than combining those guys and just say Wes Johnson. And if you want to, if you want to throw in Derek Falvey and, and Rocco Baldelli too for for their input on the way that sure the, these pitchers have been handled and have been have been coached and using the analytics and the biomechanics. I mean, I feel like they've gotten just a little bit more at guys up and down that pitching staff, both in the starting rotation and in the bullpen, even yeah. even including Jose Barrios. From, and again, I wasn't here last year, but from what I understand, in the past when Jose Barrios ran into some trouble, he had a hard time sort of getting through it and getting back on track. This year we've seen already two or three times where Jose Barrios did not have his best stuff and he stuck with the game plan. He found his form again and and recovered to to give the Twins a quality start and a chance to win the game. I think that sometimes the difference in being a bad team and being a really good team and pen, potentially a division winner is getting just a little bit more out of guys throughout your roster. And yeah. I think you can definitely say that Wes Johnson and, and the plan that they've put in place for this pitching staff has done that in a number of places. And you start to wonder, too, I mean, we've had our reservations about this rotation. We've had our reservations about the bullpen. But then you start to look at the numbers and you're wondering, maybe it's really not all that bad. I mean, there's still some questions. <laughs> right. No, you're right. I think there's still some question marks, yeah, but sure. it's like, you know, 
Blake Parker, okay, we're worried about Blake Parker maybe, but his ERA's under one. Yeah, he's, I know. He's doing okay. I Taylor mean, Rogers done his thing. I, I don't, I mean, Ryan Harper, is this going to stay up? I'm not sure. I'm still a little skeptical of that, but right now it's going okay. So right. it's I don't a great know. Point. It might not be that. It, it, for all the angst that we had just like two weeks ago, right now it doesn't seem like it's that bad right now. That's it's a great point. Uh, I guess I'm. I threw out the thought. I'm happy to amend it here with input from you two guys that the pitching plan has broken well mm-hmm. for the Twins Absolutely. in the month of April. I think that's safe to say. Those were uh, Derek's five thoughts on what's broken the Twins' way here on the Five Thoughts podcast. Catch this show and all our Twins programming. We bring you Twins programming every day on Score North with the Score North Twins show, Roycey on baseball, Glenn Perkins on baseball, and this show right here. It's all available wherever you download podcasts. Search Score North Twins. Go get that Score North app and uh, download all your favorite podcasts. Give us your five-star ratings. And your comments. For Derek, read more of his thoughts on the Twins at scorenorth.com. And Manny, I'm Rami Makloff saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Five Thoughts.